Hi there. Welcome back to the Out of the Cave podcast with Lisa Schlossberg. I'm your host, Lisa Schlossberg, a licensed social worker, certified health coach, personal trainer, and yoga instructor. If you, like I have, struggle with your relationship with food, eating, and body image, I am here with this podcast to guide you into healing the relationship you have with yourself through a trauma-informed, holistic, and mind-body-soul approach. Together, we can support you in building a lifestyle of more peace, freedom, safety, and power. What's up, fam? Welcome back, and thank you for being here. This is me, Lisa Schlossberg, the host of the Out of the Cave podcast. And before the rest of this episode, um, I wanted to share with you the announcement that is the early bird special for the May cohort of my 14-week group coaching program will be running through the entire month of March. So that's $500 off the total cost of the program. And the reason that I wanted to tell you that again, but also just spend a minute or so talking about the group is because uh, sometimes I get the question that's like, what's it all about? You know, I've been listening to your pod. I follow you on Instagram. And what exactly is this group about? So I wanted to just speak to that for a sec uh, in case you find yourself interested or maybe just feeling kind of, you know, pulled toward or called to explore it. And so... What I want to really share with you, I was thinking about this while I just sat in my manicure, and I think the best way for me to explain what this group program is really about and what the intention is, is I'm going to say this loaded sentence that you may have heard me say before already, and then I'll break it down for you. That is, this is about using the relationship you have with food, eating, and your body as the mechanism through which you learn how to reparent yourself. So that's a statement that I say a lot while I'm teaching. And then as we move through the modules and as we spend some time together in this group, it starts making more and more and more sense what that actually means. So what I'm really here to do, I feel, is not necessarily support you in healing your relationship with food because it that's not the problem, right? It's not about the food. And so for me, what this is really about is about saying there's something deeper going on, right? So you, the human being, you survive on food and you live in a body. So if your relationship with food is feeling stressful and confusing and emotional and charged uh, and it's kind of weighing on you, what this program is about is saying there's something going on there right? Mentally, emotionally, spiritually, socially, environmentally, maybe physically too. And what this is about is actually helping you learn where that disconnect is. What is it about eating when you're hungry and stopping when you're full that feels so elusive, maybe impossible, maybe scary? And so I say that because it's not really about the food. And I actually, I don't want to contribute to perpetuating the belief (laughs) that it is about the food or that it's about your relationship with food because the truth is your relationship with food just like your relationship with other people your relationship maybe with money your relationship right we're in a lot of relationships (laughs) uh your relationship with self-care anything like that it's all a reflection of the relationship you have with yourself and so i find myself kind of gravitating out of talking about the work that I do in relation to food and eating in our bodies because 
that's the symptom of it. That's the result of it. That's the kind of aftermath. But it's really about the relationship you have with yourself. And what I feel really excited about and lit up by and passionate about is really connecting people back to themselves and figuring out again, where are those disconnects in the mental, emotional, spiritual, social realms that then, you know, kind of create this tension around food. We project a lot of our stuff that's going on internally onto the relationship we have with food. So I just want to clear that up. That is, I am really looking to get to the root of the issue, right? So a lot of people that end up working with me are the people that say, you know, I've been on every diet. (laughs) And it's not just, here's what I want to really share. It's not just that you come here to out of the cave when you're sick of dieting and that's it. And you just want a different way. It's really for people who are saying, I've tried every diet out there and that's not healing me. That's not the solution. And there's some part of me, it's really the intuition, that wakes up and says, there's got to be more. There's got to be more to this, you know, because I've spent weeks, months, years, decades of my life trying to control food and eating. And there's got to be something deeper. And that's what I'm here to support you with is you're absolutely right about that. So I just wanted to say that because if, you know, you're listening to this podcast and there's a part of you that's really interested in like kind of getting into the deeper stuff, this is about using your relationship with food as the mechanism through which you learn how to reparent yourself. How do you get your needs met in the mental, emotional, spiritual, social, environmental, and physical realms so that you have a a lifestyle that feels peaceful and safe and free uh, moving forward, really ultimately for the rest of your life. So that's what I wanted to just kind of share about the group is this is why, you know, as you may have heard, sometimes people come out of the group program and they say, I'm a better mother, you know, I'm a better friend, I'm a better human, because at the root of it, what we're doing is practicing and learning how to take care of yourself on a deep level so that you can show up for other people and also getting clear on why are you not already doing that what are the blocks in all of those other areas so anyway (laughs) I could I could go on because I just think that this is literally the most important work that there is and again I'm really passionate about it because what I'm doing is holding a space for you to see and hear and validate and come home to yourself. Because when you feel at home in yourself, you create safety in your mind, body, soul system. And as you may have heard me say before, when you feel safe, you can do anything. And if you don't feel safe and you don't have that foundation, you really can't do very much. And if you do very much, it's not sustainable and it doesn't feel very good. So I'm just out here trying to, you know, help you connect the dots and and ultimately really have that sense of home and peace and safety internally so you can stop turning to food and eating and your body image issues to, you know, kind of get that quote-unquote fake safety. So if this resonates with you and you're interested in learning more about it, uh, the early bird special for the group program will be through the month of March 
And if you want to just kind of schedule a call and learn more about the details and logistics of how it unfolds, um, just let me know. Email me and fill out the form below and we'll take it from there. So as always, I appreciate you listening to this. I love you so much. I really appreciate you. And if you need anything ever, Lisa at lisaschlossberg.com. Enjoy this episode. Welcome back. Thank you. Thank you so much for entertaining this idea. (laughs) I love this idea. So for everyone who's listening, we have already been introduced to Teresa. Teresa has shared her story with us. You've heard it on the pod, probably. And after we recorded the episode about Teresa's story and experience as a group coaching client of mine, I got an email from Teresa that was basically saying, um, actually, there's more I want to share. There's more I want to talk about. And that's what we're here to do. However, we're not really here necessarily to continue the story as much as we are to mm, continue the journey and how it's unfolding right now. So we are kind of considering this more of a quote unquote real time heal situation. We'll see what comes up, what has been coming up. And I would think that in these scenarios, it's kind of like the listener is a little bit like the fly on the wall of just we're having a conversation. So welcome. Welcome, flies on the wall. Welcome, Teresa. Thank you for your bravery and showing up here so authentically and honestly with where you are. I'm curious just as you, you know, hear me intro all of that and you, how are you feeling? What are you thinking just being here? Yeah, I'm I'm just as curious as the flies on the wall, I think. <laughs> Fair enough. Cuz you know life goes on and so like I emailed you a couple of weeks ago and so life is life has gone on, you know, things are just life just keeps going. So so it'll be fun. It'll be good. So what exactly does that mean to you right now that life goes on? Well, since my my journey around food and eating and body image. Um, that's my journey. Um, I've had to eat a lot of meals <laughs> since, ding, ding, ding. since I, uh, since I sent out that email and basically the subject line was help. <laughs> that, was, yeah. that was what I was like, help. I'm fine. I'm really fine, but help. <laughs> help. Yeah. So I'm feeling a little less panicky because it really was um, like, uh, it really was like, okay, Lisa's been through this, Lisa's done this. And so help. <laughs> yeah. Um, and so, yeah. Thank you that's for sharing what... that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think that's important context. That is, you were coming from this place of, and I think it takes so much bravery to say that you were like, I did the pod and, you know, shared your story through a lens of like success and then there was this part of you that was like now I feel like a total fraud because now I'm struggling and there's these things that are coming up because I still live in a body and still have to eat food and still look in the mirror and it life goes on so I just I mean this is to me this is like 
this is the good stuff. You know, this is like, it's, it's not supposed to be like easy and comfortable and perfect all the time. The the real conversation is like, okay, great. So you had moments of, you know, recovery. Great. And also what about that? Like relapse part of the story, you know, or, or whatever that is, whatever, how we ever, however we want to phrase that. But this is to me where it gets like really juicy and good. And a lot of people are not, not only not willing to go there, but like definitely not willing to go there on a podcast episode. <laughs> ah, yeah. Right. Yeah. I really felt like I didn't want like daily. I have thoughts daily, you know, sometimes hourly and um, a good time to kind of share a little bit of specifics if that's okay. Sure. So, so when I um, had my blood sugar scare in the beginning of the pandemic, I traded some addictions, which would have been food and, you know, all of eating and all of that for some new addictions. And so those new addictions were checking my blood sugar, like, like after I ate every 15 minutes and, um, the scale and exercise and, uh, not eating <laughs> lots of different foods, sugar, carbs, I'd even got fruits. Okay. And so then, then if I, there wasn't an eating disorder, it was really, 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 really close to an eating disorder. So I have, um, abstained, if you will, from some of those, I don't weigh myself anymore and I don't check my blood sugar anymore, but that doesn't mean I don't have the thought mm -hmm. I should step on the scale. <laughs> I, I should go check my blood sugar. I, 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 so, so some of the things that I'm grappling with now is, um, I was journaling this morning and I don't know if we're allowed to talk numbers or whatever, but my weight is the lowest, like that I ever remember. I, in high school, I do, I, I'm smaller now than I was in high school. Okay. And so, um, last year I gained a little bit of weight and my body was like, thank you. Now we can have our period again and <laughs> we can, Okay. Um, and so what seems to happen is I make it through the holidays and, and I do quote unquote fine. And then I hit January and then it's like, fuck it. I, I can't do this anymore. Last year, this, <laughs> this year now, this is where I'm at where I hit January and it's like, I can't do this anymore. Deep breath. Mm. <laughs> so, so um, then comes the, well, I'm gaining weight again because I'm tired of going to bed hungry all the time. What used to be these marker of look at me, <laughs> I'm going to bed hungry is like no more. I can't do this anymore. Well, I don't, I can't even say because I don't know. <laughs> I don't know if the weight gain, why, the, I don't know the, what's going on in the body, but I can say that that's the voices in my head are, of course, want, you know, my brain wants to fix it. My brain wants to stop it. My brain wants to go calculate how many calories I need to eat to stop and just like lose this, whatever it is. Again, I'm not on the scale, so I don't know. So that's where I was like, okay, Lisa, you did this. <laughs> You've gone yeah. through this you came to a place of peace with your body being wherever your body landed. And, and it was not at your lowest weight. <laughs> yeah. 
right? That's what I I I gather. Right. So Okay. Yeah, I hear you so much. Thank you for sharing that. Breathe. So as usual, there's like a million responses to that. Uh, part of it is, you know, I always think about when Nicole Sachs says, I don't have a cure for human pain, right? And that's kind of what we're talking about when we say like life goes on. And I, frankly, I think it's a little bit more difficult in our relationship with food because you can get yourself to a place where the chronic pain symptoms in your body are not present anymore. You can't get yourself anywhere where you don't have to eat food every day. Like you have to continue confronting it. So just validating that and really normalizing that. That is, this is, that's really what we mean is we don't have the cure for human pain and our human pain is just really connected to our relationship with food, which means we're constantly facing it. So it makes a lot of sense um, that there is no like finish line, right? Like you, you've moved into a lot more peace internally after what you've been through and the work that you've done and group and everything like that. And also there is no finish line. So <clears throat> again, just kind of normalizing that. Uh, the other thing I want to just kind of point out to you and to everyone is that there's an element of it that feels really important to me. That is a lot of what becomes addictive with disordered eating, especially eating disorders, is not the behaviors. It's the thoughts. And that's really different than some other quote unquote addictions where if we're struggling with something like alcohol, right? We put a lot of emphasis on no longer drinking, right? And, and I remember one time someone was talking to me about their relationship with alcohol. And she was like, when I knew that it started being a problem was, or when I know that it's, it can sometimes become a problem is when you're just stuck in your head all day. I want to drink. I'm not going to drink. I can drink. I can't drink. I should. I shouldn't. And it's like that is what becomes really present in our relationship with food. So again, I just kind of want to point that out. That is, it's really valid that you now are in this phase, let's say, of your healing journey where you put the scale away, but you're still thinking about the scale and you put the blood sugar monitor away but you're still thinking about your blood sugar. And that to me is just like a deeper level, right? It's like, th this is just like out of the cave 2.0. It's like, it's just, this is just what's next, right? And it's not bad or wrong. It's actually like exactly as it's, as it is, it's exactly appropriate. First you get rid of the scale, right? Like that has to, that's the first thing then, right? But just because you get rid of the scale doesn't mean you're going to get rid of the thoughts about the scale. Right because we can't solve an emotional problem with a physical solution. And if you take the scale away, what's left? Everything that was underneath it, everything that was always underneath it. So whether it's you or anyone else, again, it's all I'm doing is normalizing and validating that it's just taking you deeper into yourself, right? Instead of getting distracted that the scale is the problem, now you're saying, I don't even have the scale, but I still have the problem which is a hundred percent valid and appropriate. And what I'm thinking about just personally, right? When you say like, you did this, yeah, I did this to some degree. But what I also did 
was I remember when I was in college and there was a certain point where I realized I was going to lectures and I wasn't hearing anything. And I was like reading textbooks, but I wasn't absorbing anything. Like I was straight up 99% of the time just thinking about food. What did I eat before? What am I going to eat later? When's the last time I skipped on the scale? How many calories did I burn? How many calories did I eat? How many? I just, I was not existing in my life at all. And I think that's the most devastating thing about disordered eating is how, how inside your head it can be. Even if you look normal, quote unquote, even if you're eating normally, no one has any idea what's going on inside. And that can feel really lonely and really scary. And that I've also done. Does all that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. I love that you said, even if you're eating normally. Oh, yeah. Because because that I could do that too. Yep. <laughs> but that doesn't mean that the panic in my head isn't that it stops the panic in my head. Right. So part of what I get curious about when I hear where you are is one of the most helpful and impactful things that I that I've ever been taught uh, as a coach, and you may have heard me say this before, is what does that thought feel like in your body? Because what we're talking about is getting really wrapped up in the thoughts. I have to get on the scale. I have to check my blood sugar. How many calories am I eating? Whatever it is. And then you're also here using the word panic. Like you're aware to some degree that that's what's happening energetically, mm -hmm. right? So if we just go back to what we both know, that is we can't solve an emotional problem with a physical solution, right? If there's panic and fear and you already connect that the energy of the thought I have to get on the scale is panic, then what I what I would do is like release the story of it. It's not about the scale. It's not about the food. It's not about the blood sugar. It's not about any of that stuff. If you can connect to panic and fear and whatever else, that to me is kind of like the next step because it's not about any of that stuff out here. And it's right. this is how we like very literally follow the thread to say what is what is present, what is actually going on. And then you can just create the space for that. So first of all, first, does that make sense? What I'm saying? Yeah. Yeah. I, um, I was looking in the mirror the other day and my, my flabby arms, <laughs> I, for whatever in the mirror of there's lots of me to see. And that's what like jumped out. Like you've got to do something about that. And I stopped and like, I heard Lisa, like, oh, of course you think that, that different arms will make you safe. Of course, it will make you acceptable. Nobody will judge you. Of course you think that. Unfortunately, that's not true. So it's like, yeah, what you're saying is to keep doing. And like, I just feel this sense of, I don't have to try. Like, I don't have to try to catch every thought and then let it go and feel it. And like, yeah. no, the ones that you catch, 
catch them and feel them and bring it out of my head and into my body. That's what I heard you say. Yeah. Sounds like you're doing a lot of that already. And I also, I don't know if this is just me and the way that I interpret things based on what I've been through and where I am, but I think what I've experienced in that conversation internally that I've had with myself, like I can really relate to that is like looking in the mirror and seeing my arms or my legs or whatever part of my body and being like, I want it to be different and whatever. And of, and of course that you think that because the conditioning and all the stuff, um, to me, there's also just in case this is helpful to have, uh, there's like a component of it that is grief because there's part of me anyway, I'll speak for myself again, that really wishes that were true. Mm, yeah. Yeah. Right. Like I really yeah. wish that I could just like tone my arms and then yeah. be done. Like, God, I really wish that that were true. Right. Even yeah. though there's a part of me that's like, that's bullshit. And I wish that that weren't true at all. There's also a part of me that's like, God, if all I had to do is just have a body that looked different and then I could just yeah. like, then I could relax. Right. And then, and then there's this awareness of like, even if you change your body, you're not going to be done. There is no yeah. finish line. There is no cure for the human condition. That can be really confronting to a part that believed that for decades. Yeah. Mm -hmm. You know, all I have <laughs> yes. to do is change my body. I'll be happy when. Yeah. And it's like, what? Even that's not going to complete me? Even that is not going to bring me a sense of wholeness? And be really, again, just devastating and a loss. I think there's grief there. Yeah. That's very yeah. valid. Yeah, exactly. I I struggle with that. There's no third option. <laughs> I really, really, really want there to be. <laughs> Me fucking too. And I think, you know, just in hearing you say that, it's like, what again, what I've experienced is that when I follow the thread to what am I really feeling inside, that's kind of very often what it comes down to is point blank. I just wish there were another way, which is really to say, I wish there were a cure for human pain. Yeah. I really wish there was a way out of the human condition because sometimes that hurts and is painful and it has yeah. nothing to do with my arms or right. whatever it's just like sometimes I feel pain and I wish I didn't have to do that yeah there is some part of me that feels like I was I don't know led to believe there is for there was sure for sure yeah. Yeah. I wish I could almost read um it was I think it was someone in your group who when we were talking about option three and she wrote a post in our forum and it was like this long post. And it was all about how she was like, first, when I learned about the fact that there is no option three, I was like, kind of, you know, I, it didn't, I didn't really process it like yet. And it, it took a little bit for me to realize what it was. But then she, what she was writing about was she was like, I was trying to figure out why I was so fucked up by the fact that there is no option three. Like, why did I even be, why, where did I get the idea that there was an option three, you know? Right. 
And then her whole thing was about, she's like, oh, now that I've had some time to think about it, literally fucking everywhere. She was like, every movie that I've ever watched, every commercial I've ever seen, every song that's ever been written, every book, every, every like every story I've ever been told, everything is if you just do X, you'll get Y, right? And like, we've talked about this in terms of capitalism and consumerism and like just the macro world that we live in. That's like, just buy your solution. You don't want to feel pain, take a pill. You don't want to feel pain, numb it, distract from it, avoid it. Immediate gratification, right? Like we, it's option three is everywhere. Yeah, And we have been internalizing that that's true forever. So that's why for me, I really, I mean, part of the retreat we talked about, I put up this quote on my slides that is to live is to grieve. To live is to grieve. Why? Because we're constantly learning that all the stories we took in are not actually true. Yeah. And I think that's a lot of what comes up around option three. We just project that so strongly onto her arms and our legs and our weight and food. And it's, it's not that. Yeah. What are you thinking? How are you feeling? What's going on for you right now? I am feeling relieved. Um, because you pointed out that it was like, I, again, it was addiction transference yeah. <laughs> from, from letting go the scale to just the thoughts about, about the scale and everything else. Yeah. So um, I'm a little mind blown, <laughs> but yet relieved like, yeah. oh, okay. Oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> of course. And, yeah. I'm glad to hear that. And also, again, it, it just makes all the sense in the world. You can see how it's all of this is operating. I mean, however, you know, spiritual belief this might sound like, it's like all of this is operating to get you turning toward yourself in a deeper way. Right. It's like first it was like the relationship with the scale out there. Now right. it's your relationship with your thoughts. And it's just taking you toward yourself if you're willing to go there, which you are. Yeah. So what I, again, like I, I think about if I were listening to this, what I would do is you already have a really strong journal speak practice. So what I would do is give a voice to the panic and the fear, Mm. you know, the part of you that's saying, I have to get on the scale. I have to check my blood sugar. Right. Give a voice to the panic and the fear. And in that practice, I mean, the the benefit and the intention of that in a lot of ways is that you create the distance between you and the fear. Right. Right. So you stop identifying with it. That's like, you're right. I really do have to get on the scale. Right. And And you just start to see it as like the really scared young child that it is yeah. and ultimately it's all moving towards some version of I just want to feel safe mm-hmm. right so that's what I would quote unquote do with it when I say how does that 
how does that thought feel in your body? You can, you can just kind of drop in and some people can do that and that feels accessible. You know, it's like, it feels panicky. It feels scary. It feels fast, chaotic. Sometimes the image that I get in my own fear and anxiety is it feels like I'm stuck in a house that's on fire. So Mm. just another plug for, you know, anyone who has a hard time somatically tracking what comes up physically Right. So just allow yourself to communicate to yourself in in story or image or visual or color or something like that. Um, and if that, you know, if nothing comes up there to use something like journal speak, really just use your words and and have the energy of, you know, being being a parent, listening to a child. That's very like, tell me more about that. You know, yeah. I really, really understand that this really scares you. And that it feels like getting on a scale will bring safety. Tell me more about the panic. And that's where like, you know, it's like, I don't know what that's going to turn into for you. I don't have the answer about that. I'm, you're the expert on you. What I'm doing is just saying here are a couple different ways to turn toward yourself and have it come through. Yeah, that's one of the biggest things that I got out of the whole out of the cave experience was turning being my own best friend turning towards myself um, honoring and listening and speaking (laughs) for myself yeah like yeah and it's a journey it's I'm 52. I just turned 52. So I feel like a baby at it. <laughs> like a preschooler, maybe, you know, I may know some A's and C's. <laughs> well, so. I constantly feel that way too, for what it's worth. And happy belated birthday. Thank oh, yeah. You. <laughs> no, I, I'm really glad to hear that. And that's, uh, I mean, in so many ways, that's the practice, because if you think about, again, just like energetically, like you're, you're a system, your mind, body, soul is a system of energy. So if there's all this panic and fear and the panic and the fear isn't being seen and heard and well, what's going to happen to that, right? Is like, well, then it just gets projected outward onto things like food and eating. And there's the illusion that's like, if I just step on the scale, if I just check my blood sugar, if I just lose five pounds, if I, if I just, right, I'll be happy when I will be safe when, if I just, and we project all of that and we get so lost in it because of course it's very effective, just like chronic pain and TMS, it takes all your time and energy and focus and attention. And you think that you're really helping yourself out. (laughs) Like it's very effective as a distraction, especially in this culture. But what I'm saying is if you can just drop right into panic and fear and whatever else comes up, maybe it's grief, maybe it's loneliness, right? All the things, it's the emotional reservoir. And you just use all of this stuff around food and weight in your body to say, what am I feeling? And how do I really get that need met? Because getting on the scale is not going to do it. Right. And most of the time, it's really seeing and hearing it and just letting it move. 
And you can see how the more we just, you know, dip the ladle in to the emotional reservoir, the safer and safer it feels to kind of release the thoughts about getting on the scale or whatever else it is. But I think just energetically, I think of it almost like a seesaw. It's like, if we're not, if we're not dipping into it, seeing it, hearing it, releasing it, expressing it, speaking it, it gets all caught up in the physical dimension. But then the more that we do that, the more it just kind of like evens out and right. feels safer to release. Makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. As you're talking, I'm imagining, like, I almost have a sense that I want to like, I don't know, separate them from me and like, like draw them or name them or, yeah. you know, and then when I'm having those thoughts, be like, oh, hello, Fred, or <laughs> yeah. you know, like, yeah. hello, sunshine, yeah. you know, like, <laughs> okay, okay, look, we need to have a chat or, you know, mm -hmm. you, okay. I love that. that. Yeah. And that sounds beautiful and supportive to really yeah. do that. That is have, you know, I've worked with a couple people who are like, oh, my inner critic, I've named her Barbara or like whatever. It's like, <laughs> you know, cause it can be really helpful to just personify it because, and that's, that's another tool, you know, anyone who like is hearing this, it's another tool because then when it pops up, you'd be like, like you just said, like, Hey, there you are again. Right. Here is the part of me that really, really believes that I have to get on the scale and that all my problems will be solved if I get on the scale. Right. Hello again. I know you. I know you. And that's a really, I mean, to, in so many ways, it's almost like that's where a lot of it kind of begins is that moment that you say, you are not me. Here right. you are again. I know you, you are tricky. And my God, you're so good at what you do. I almost fell for it again, but I'm not going to. Yeah. You know, and I think I, I think I told you guys the story in group. Um, but what I always think of is, uh, this time where I was trying to meditate and my brain just like, wouldn't shut up. There was just, it was monkey brain. And and I'm like quieting myself down and quieting myself down. And then I had this thought that was, you have to email Carol. Carol's my mm -hmm. therapist. Did mm -hmm. I tell you this story? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And it was like, yes. I have to email Carol. Right. And it was like, we're, I, okay. I, I know that I do, but right now in this moment, we're meditating. And I was like uh, one second later. Yeah. But you really have to email Carol. And I was like, I hear you. And also right now I'm, I'm attempting to meditate. And I was like, but if you don't email Carol, you're not going to, and then you're going to forget. And that was like the moment that I like almost opened my eyes, right? It was like that, that was the moment where I was like, you know, I almost fell for it. I almost believed it. I was like, mm -hmm. you know what? You have a good point. If I don't do it right now, I'm not going to do it. And then I'll totally forget. And, but that was, I just remember it so clearly because I remember in that moment, that's when it happened for me that I was mm -hmm. like, oh, <laughs> you again, <laughs> you, the part of me that says it's not safe to slow down or sit still or be present or be in my body, whatever. There you are again. 
And Mike, you, you almost got me. You really <laughs> almost got me. <laughs> and I'm not falling for this again. Thank you for trying. We're not going to do that anymore. And to me, there's a moment of withdrawal mm -hmm. that happens there, right? If the addiction is go, 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 go. And what I'm choosing to do is say, I'm not going to do that anymore. Mm -hmm. Really doesn't serve my nervous system. Really doesn't serve my body. Does not serve my health. I'm going to choose not to. I have the emotional reaction sometimes. If I just burst into tears in those moments, truly. Because it feels really scary to do something different. Yeah. Right? So that's in a lot of ways kind of what I would practice is first we first we just have to be aware what are the illusions <laughs> the illusion is the scale the illusion is the blood sugar monitor mm -hmm. the illusion mm -hmm. is the weight the illusion okay so that when they come up you're like oh wow you are so effective god you're so good at your job yeah and also no respectfully lovingly no I was driving down the road the other day and like hormonal, right? Just started my period and, um, and like, I could just feel the emotions, the mood swings, the, and I'm like, okay, Lisa says that we're a spiritual being. <laughs> like there's something, some part of me that is not hormonal. And I just was like trying to find it. <laughs> Like, okay, somewhere in here is some, but some part of me that's not being affected by all of this. <laughs> and it was, it was like, okay, I just, it, it, I don't, it was really cool and really weird. Like, and then eventually like it stopped, you know, yeah. like it was, yeah. So it's like, they're finding that, yeah. that, that essence yeah that is not caught up in the beliefs not caught up in the thoughts yeah not even affected by hormones yeah. in the body yeah like okay that's the part of me that i want i want to access mm -hmm. you're absolutely right <clears throat> and this makes me think of um Allison Madolo who's been on this podcast and is my best friend and has taught me so much, especially in the realm of spirituality. And sometimes <clears throat> when I, <laughs> I'll just like text her and be like, how are you feeling? Or like, how are you? And what she does is <laughs> like, for example, she'll be like physically exhausted, mentally drained, emotionally unregulated, spiritually grounded, I'm like, like when we first started talking, I was like, what? <laughs> like, <laughs> hold on. And that, and so it's just gotten kind of me in this practice of doing the same thing. And I, part of the reason that I say this is because it's so amazing how there is this spiritual essence of us. Like just the energy, you know, what, again, however spiritual you want to like look at it, it's like there's energy in us. That's just, we're not a body, right? So like if we actually separate mental, emotional, physical, and spiritual, and we just 
begin this practice of checking in that way and being introspective that way, it can really serve in these moments where it's like emotionally chaotic, mentally unhinged, (laughs) spiritually clear. And it's Mm -hmm. like, you can be all of that at the same time. And what's so cool, I think, again, part of the reason I say this is because I think in my experience, I'm not going to speak for anyone else, but when it comes to like symptoms of chronic pain and TMS, it used to always be for me, if I'm uncomfortable physically, fuck the rest. Right. Right. If my physical is uncomfortable, I was so identified with my physical being. Right. And that's not random. If we're struggling with food and eating and body image, we are identified with the physical. Right. So much so that we really lose the connection to mental, emotional, spiritual, social. Right. That's kind of the whole point. So just having this awareness that is like, okay, I know physically I'm uncomfortable. What else am I? Right. And just allowing, allowing that maybe other parts of you are not so uncomfortable. Right. Maybe other parts right. of you are like really peaceful, actually. Right. And they can coexist. Like what? <laughs> yeah. It's so huge. uncomfortable. Right. <laughs> and <laughs> I might say, again, even just for myself, so confronting. Mm-hmm. Because for me, it was like, wait, 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 I know how physically uncomfortable I am. You're going to tell me that another part of me is like, fine. Right. Fuck you, you know? Right. And But it's one of those things where it's like, you're not forgiving the other person for the other person. You're forgiving the other person for your own peace. It's like, it's it's for your own peace to say, maybe not all of you has to be identified with that. Right. And it's it's really been a huge game changer for me in my daily life to just be able to hold all of those things at the same time. And then ultimately it really gets us out of over identifying with our physical. Right. And when you do that, it's like, okay, fucking body, like, okay. You know, Mm -hmm. (laughs) there's all these other parts of me. Right. Yeah. I love that. Yeah. It's such a practice. I'm glad. But you also, I mean, you just kind of said that in your own way. You know, it's like you're already practicing that. <laughs> Trying, working on yeah, it. Same. <laughs> same. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. How are you doing? I'm doing good. Trying to get out of my head. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Trying to. Yeah. Yeah, I am a head person. I live in my head. (laughs) You and me both. (laughs) Yeah. The other thing that for me uh, feels important to kind of come back to and address is the, um, you know, when I hear you say, like, you did this, you're not wrong. And... I'm still doing it. So part of the reason I say that is because like, I want to always do what I can to not perpetuate the Lisa lost a lot of weight and now she's done (laughs) because that's not a thing. Um, 
And to your point, um, there is some truth to like, I did do this. I did, I did um, like lose weight, get to my lowest weight and then not settle there. And so I want to just talk about that. If that's cool with you. Yes. Thank you. (laughs) Because I think part of what in my experience gets kind of overlooked about that part of my story, probably to my own doing to some degree, I was completely fucking terrified. Yes. So like I did, like I did the thing with so much fear. Yeah, me too. And so it's not like, you know, how did Lisa do it? Because it was like easy and comfortable. It's like, I think it's important to know that I was absolutely fucking terrified all the time. And what I remember about it was that I I did a lot of research. So what had happened was I lost all my weight because I was a good girl on a diet and I followed all the rules that I got my whole life, eat less, exercise more. And I said, great, I know how to get an A plus in that. I'll just eat as little as I can and exercise as much as I can. And so that's what happened. And so I lost a lot of weight. And at the end of that, uh, when I didn't have my period and my hair was falling out and I was malnourished and starved and I like couldn't poop or sleep or function or anything, uh, that's when it really got my attention. And so that's when, as soon as I started to eat a little bit more and exercise a little bit less, which was orders from the doctors and nutritionists who were like, we need to restore your body from your weight loss, you know, very similar to what you've experienced already. As soon Mm -hmm. as I started eating a little bit more, I couldn't stop eating. And I, for a long time was in that like yo-yo dieting thing of like, I felt completely out of control, especially at night. And then I would wake up and just like white knuckle my way through the day. And then it would happen over and over and over again. Right. And That's when, you know, I think I may have said this already on this podcast, but I think it's important that part of the reason I think I was able to do what I did was because the culture, especially like diet culture, tells you that if you lose control over food, it means that you have no willpower Mm -hmm. and that you are weak and that you are a failure and that there's something wrong with you. And to my credit, At that point, when I was completely out of control, I was like, this is really interesting because I have a lot of willpower and I'm really strong and I have a ton of discipline. There's nothing wrong with me. I wonder what's going on here. Like, I just, I heard that story and was like, no. (laughs) And, And there's an element of that that feels similar to like the denial that I grew up with. That was just like, something's wrong with me. (laughs) No, (laughs) no, no. Right. Right. And, and it really worked to my benefit because instead of believing that and internalizing that, I said, I'm going to do some research. I want to figure out what's going on here because I just lost 150 pounds through fucking discipline. I didn't just wake up one day and lose it all. That doesn't make any sense. Like it was just so like the story is not true. What's really going on? So then I started doing research and I literally found the ACE study that we know well, 
right? Mm -hmm. The adverse childhood experience study and how our relationship with food, eating, obesity, weight can be related to childhood trauma. That's what, that's how I found the ACE study was because I couldn't stop eating. And I just started doing research and I was like, oh, so there's like a mind body connection. Right. Okay. Then I found the national weight control registry. And I saw that the people who have lost and maintained weight are living on a diet. Right. Noted. Right. These are all the things that I've taught. Right. But I'm saying it because it's like, it came from a place of, I need to figure out what's going on here because I'm not the problem. I'm not broken and I'm not defective. And so from that place, then I revisit John Gabriel, who was the first person I really ever heard say diets don't work. The first time I heard that, I was like, fuck out of here. Of course they do. It worked for me. Right. And then I was completely out of control. And so I just go back and I'm like, what was that bald guy saying about diets not working? (laughs) And that's how I started listening to what he was saying, which was, again, there's a mind-body connection. (laughs) Emotion, spirituality, it's all stress, right? It's all part of the game here. And that started to change things for me. So at that point in my story, I remember feeling like I had just done probably a year and a half of yo-yo dieting lose five, gain 10, lose 10, gain 15, lose 15, gain 20, completely out of control, white knuckling my way, counting everything fucking miserable and completely terrified Mm -hmm. because all the statistics in my face said, if you lost a lot of weight, you're going to gain it all back plus some. And my relationship with that had been, fuck, no, I won't. I know how to work really hard. And now working really hard was not working. And I was terrified. So sounds in a lot of ways like that's kind of where you are (laughs) yes so (laughs) so what I did was I remember at a certain point this was a surrender moment and I didn't think about it that way at the time because still at this point I would say I didn't have a spiritual bone in my body quote unquote little did I know my intuition was leading the way right but at the time it was a complete surrender because the way that I saw it was I have two paths in front of me. Like I was like at a crossroad and on one side it was try another diet. And there was so much evidence. I had done my research. I not only had I done my research, but I was the experiment. How many times am I going to run the same experiment on myself? Right. And that's why I say it's like the definition of insanity is trying the same thing over and over again, expecting a different result. And I was just staring myself in the face with that data. That is, you could keep trying. You're just gaining more and more weight. How many times do you want to do it? Right. Reminds me of when Nicole Sachs says, how long do you want to suffer? How how many times are you going to do this? So that was one path where I felt like I had all the control. I'll just count everything. I'll portion everything. And, and that's, that was one path. The other path was experiment with this other thing, which to me at the time was in a structured way, the quote unquote Gabriel method and John Gabriel. But really, again, what that was, I never, you know, like fully, fully uh, embodied, I would say the, the program of it. But to me, it was mental health, emotional health, spiritual health, stress reduction, stop fucking dieting, nourish your body, take care of yourself as a holistic human being, stop with the diets, stop with the scale, stop with the numbers, eat when you're hungry, stop when you're full, honor your body. 
And it, it was just, those are the only options. There was no option three. And I just remember being like, what are you going to do? How many times do you need to try this other thing before you do this thing? And so the way that I thought about it was if I go down the path of dieting again, I know, I know for sure that I will continue gaining weight. Right. Because I've experienced that enough times. I get that that's what's going to happen. This other path, I don't know what's going to happen because I've never been down it. So that came with a lot of uncertainty and a lot of fear and a lot of panic and a lot of terror because I was basically throwing myself off a cliff. That's what it felt like. But it just felt so clear. It just felt so clear that there were only two options and one of them I knew didn't work. Right. <laughs> and and right. it was, and I just was like, what are you, what else are you going to do? So I say all of that and like really drag it out because every single day that I chose to not get on the scale anymore, every single day I went grocery shopping and I darted my eyes to the calories and then forced them to look at the ingredients instead. Every single day I focused on the quality over the quantity of my food. And I forced myself to pay attention to adding more nutrients, not restricting and eliminating things. This was willpower of the mind. And right. every day I was so terrified because what I was doing was releasing the control and getting my needs met and thinking of myself and treating myself like a human being, not a body. And just saying, you know, like something that Nicole said at the last Omega retreat where she was talking about, just lay your weapons down. Lay your weapons down toward your, toward your body. Yeah. And so it was, it was all really scary. And there was panic constantly. And part of the reason I say that is because I want to normalize it because that panic is not about food in your weight and also invite you to validate it. That when you have those moments where you choose to not get on the scale and there's a part of you that wants to have a temper tantrum about it and, or feels like they're going to literally fucking die. Yeah. Right. That's the moment that you get to turn toward that part of you and say, I know that this is really scary. I'm not trying to change it. I'm not trying to control it. You're not wrong for feeling this way. I know this is really scary. And that's that's the practice. So yeah, I've done it, right? But it's really important to me to not, you know, talk about it like, it wasn't the scariest thing I've ever done. It really was. And I think that's the point. Yeah. Thank you for reminding me that you're doing it. Because the mind wants to say, it's, she's done. <laughs> she yeah. did it. She's done. She's done it. It's done. And that's so not, so I, I needed that. Um, well, I needed all of it actually. Um, but yeah, 
Yeah. It's so, it's so gentle and so beautiful how you just point, like I can do all the things without being present to doing them. Yeah. So, yeah, like I want to, I want to be present to doing them. Um, so for my birthday, my daughter, one of my daughters sent me chocolate over strawberries and made me cry. Like I was, it was just such a beautiful gift giving is my love language. It just was like, oh, I feel so loved, so valued. So, you know, all the things. And so, but there was the side of me that was like terrified over eating a chocolate covered strawberry. And so there were the sides, you know, like, fuck you, I'm going to eat the whole damn box. you know and then there's a part of me that's like but but if you but no but no we can't eat the you know yes it was so sweet but we can't throw them away but we can't eat them (laughs) like all yeah so that night after dinner I had a chocolate covered strawberry and I woke up the next morning like terrified and what I saw through my journaling was the part of me that was afraid got like ran over, (laughs) like felt so bullied and like literally ran over by the other parts of me. You know, even if it wasn't the, I'm going to eat the whole box. It was just the reasonable, we can have a chocolate covered strawberry after dinner. Like we can, it felt so bullied. And so like, I want to bring all parts of me. You know, I, if I could have brought the scared part of me and said, it's okay. I know you're scared. Of course you're scared. And we're, we're going to be okay. Like, because she wasn't okay because she was ran over. (laughs) Yes. So yeah, it's so appreciate everything that you just said, because it just reminds me of how easy the it's I don't know if it, that's an addiction too to just mindlessly check out because it's so uncomfortable to yeah. have a, a conversation with that part of me that is scared to death right I so it's like you. it's it's like part of me is like afraid that that side's gonna win or you know it's like yeah I'm afraid of all sides or right. whatever side's gonna win right ah. <laughs> dude I so hear you and I I really appreciate you sharing that too because that's that's the really relatable part of all of it that is you know I remember at a certain point around you know what I was just sharing where I like people would say things to me like just eat and like anyone who's ever been in disordered eating, eating disorder, anorexia, whatever. It's like someone will say things like just eat. It's just a chocolate covered strawberry. It's just and it's like you don't understand that this chocolate covered strawberry is triggering a sensation in me that is fear and panic and like I'm like it feels it feels to a part of you like if I eat this chocolate covered strawberry I'm gonna literally die yeah 
which is why, to answer your question, why it's so easy to not do that is because your brain is designed to keep you away from anything that feels like a life-threatening predator. It just so happens that the strawberry feels like a life-threatening predator, <laughs> right? Yeah. So that's the that's exactly what it is, is like, and that's also why I say I invite you to validate your fear yeah. instead of aligning with the story that's like, it's just a strawberry. That's just invalidating. Right. Right. But to really meet yourself in, I know that this strawberry is not a saber-toothed tiger, even though I feel like it is. Right. And both of those can be true at the same time. I know that, right? That's the pizza diagram from group. <laughs> that right. was when I started eating pizza. Mm -hmm. And I would take a bite of food and then I would cry because I was so scared. Yeah. I was constantly afraid. Every single time I felt full, I was convinced I was going to wake up at 300 pounds. Convinced. Yeah. Like there was no, there was no changing that. Yeah. And there was all this awareness, like that's literally not possible. Right. And it's like, doesn't matter. I feel like it is. Right. And I feel like in a lot of ways, I've seen this be almost like the next level of things where it's like, you're not living in fear. You're not perpetuating fear. What you're doing is validating fear. Right. Right. That is, I know that this isn't going to kill me. And I also feel like it is. Right. So it's my job to say, I'm really scared of this. And that's okay. I'm not being right. dramatic. I'm not being silly. I'm not making something out of nothing, right? This is my lived felt experience and energy is real and emotions are energy and it feels like a saber tooth, even though it's not. Right. And then just, you know, that's letting it move. Right, right. And that's all it needs, right? Because then there's that part of it's like, oh, you see me? Mm-hmm. You see that I'm scared and you're not judging me for it? Right. Okay, enjoy your strawberry. Right. right? <laughs> Which is like all we want anyway. Yeah. All we want is to say, I'm just going to enjoy this. Yeah. But that's why, I mean, you know, again, this could be its own rabbit hole, but I think that's why anything along the lines of like, well, you shouldn't think that way. Or like, don't tell yourself that or whatever. It's like all of that can also operate as a way to just not feel the fear. Right. And that's really what that's, I mean, now it probably seems so simple, but it's like, that's really all we're doing here is we're meeting fear with love. Yeah. We're saying, I see you. It's okay that you're here. And then as soon as it's allowed to be, you're allowed to be right right and that's the safety that we're looking for i am safe to be i'm safe yeah. to eat and the way to get there is to say i'm afraid i'm not though <laughs> right the great paradox yeah yeah it takes for me i think it's taken a lot of slow in my life down <sighs> A lot of work so of, <laughs> of saying no to things or, you know, like, because the busier I am, the harder it is. One million percent. Yeah. Thank you for saying that. It's so important. 
many of us, I think, have the addiction to operating. Go, 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 do, do, do. Right. We have to be in 20 places at once. We have a never ending to do list, et cetera. Yeah. But this is just another, like, just plug for Allison Madolo, her everything, her retreats, her membership, her YouTube, her everything, because having that influence in my life so close and direct to me, her whole thing is about slowing down and self-care because she is so embodied in the awareness of exactly what you just said. That is, if we're always going, 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 we cannot access the deeper truth and healing. So it's not about, you know, bubble baths. It's not about whatever. It's not about any of that. Right. It's about we can't see and hear ourselves on the level to which we need to if we're always finding distractions and always moving. And just and and energetically, it makes so much sense, mm-hmm. right? That's like if we're in the stress response, fight, right. flight, freeze, right? If we're always like activated, we can't access true deeper knowing and right. safety. I'm really glad you said that. It's so true. Mm. Yeah. And find your people, find your, find the people that speak your, uh, your language, uh, your, that speak to your higher self, like frequency. Yeah. 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 Totally. priceless like worth a million dollars yeah yeah wow take the out of the cave class (laughs) (laughs) now enrolling yeah thank you wow how do you feel I feel so loved and so held and so seen so thank you (laughs) it's such a pleasure I'm really glad that you had the bravery to come here and have this conversation. I know it's going to be really, really valuable and helpful, not just for you, but for a lot of people. This is the stuff, you know, this is the stuff. I just know, you know, most of my life I spent like, I'm five feet tall and I was between 180 and 200 pounds most of my life. So to experience, have that experience, I guess, much like you, and then to have this extreme opposite experience, like to experience both sides of it to like, I just know that there are people out there that are experiencing it too. Like it's, it's just, yeah, it's, it's all the same. Yeah. And, and it's, the mind believes it's all just as scary. Right. Right. (laughs) I've got to believe I'm not alone. (laughs) (laughs) You know that, you know that to be true. Yeah, absolutely. Wow. Thank you for being here. No, thank you for having me. (laughs) Really, really glad. Really glad to. Any last words before we go? When are you doing another retreat? (laughs) 
great question. I don't know the answer to that yet. But there'll be groups and there'll be aftercare and there'll be podcasts and membership and all the things until I do know the answer to that. So thank you for asking. I appreciate that. Yeah. (laughs) Okay. Well, I appreciate you. I'm very proud of you. And you're welcome to come back and do this again at any point. So we'll stay in touch and see how life continues to life. Absolutely. Yeah. Amazing. Yay. Yay.